You like that song? It said, when death was arrested. I think I've turned on. Yeah, there we go. I did turn things on. Well, for those of you that are visiting today, this is a little different day. I'm normally not the one doing this and this. Um, but Pastor Bruce's father, Stan, went to be with the Lord on Tuesday morning. And it's one of those sad but joyous occasions. Sad for those of us that knew him because he, he was a wonderful man. Um, he would come and do the Seder service for us. I mean, when he first came and did that, I, I know for me personally it was the first time that all of that was explained as to how all of that, you know, what everything meant in, in, in that, that meal and, and how it represented Christ and, and everything. But, but he was. Um, he was a great man. Uh, Bruce has told me many stories about him. But uh, um, his service is, is today at, at 2. So um, if you can fly out of here, you might make it in time. <laughs> so, but... Um, a, a couple of things, too. In the back, you'll see some flyers for Thrive, the pregnancy center. So if you want to be involved in that, you know, some of the, the, you know, with a lot that's been going on, fundraising and everything, you know, the walk for life and different things have not been able to happen. So, you know, especially some of the organizations that need help financially, Let's not forget about them, that, you know, if we can support them, you know, do that all that we can, um, and, uh, and any others. So, is there, uh, oh yeah, I can't forget the shoe boxes. There's more shoe boxes to be packed, right? Not set up yet. Not set up yet, but it'll be set up Tuesday afternoon. So, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it'll, it'll be ready, and, okay, so, um, and if you need Deanna's phone number, call the church, and I can get you in, in touch with her easily. So, um, anything else that I may have missed? I don't think so. Um, so, today, um, I found out Tuesday afternoon that I was going to be speaking today. <laughs> um, and that's okay, because, um, you know, it's not me speaking like, you know, my prayer is, and, and I asked the Lord, it's like, okay, you know, I don't like this part of it. It's like, I like talking to people. I like interchange back and forth. I don't like lecturing. <laughs> I don't like being on that end of the lecture either, for the most part. After I sit for a while, I get tired. So, um, but, and asking the Lord what he thought, you know, I, I, I should talk about. And, um, it just, it just came in, in reading uh, through the, in, in the Bible. Um, have any of you all ever witnessed to someone now? I'm, I'm going to assume that most people in here, and I'm not going to assume that everyone has a personal relationship with Jesus, but have you ever talked to someone about, about God, about Jesus, about possibly accepting them as Savior? And they give you one of these answers of, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I can. Um, well, I'd probably mess up and God would be disappointed in me. Or, you don't really know what I've done. You don't know me. It's like, well, God does. He knows everything. He knows everything you've done. And 
I, I saw uh, someone had written down somewhere. It says, you cannot confess a sin that God has not already forgiven. Hmm. <laughs> no matter what you've done, God has already said, yep, know all about it, saw it, knew it was coming. And yes, if you ask forgiveness, it's done. Now, as Christians, is becoming a Christian easy? All you got to do is ask forgiveness, repent, ask forgiveness, boom. Is being a Christian easy? <laughs> That's when it gets a little more difficult, doesn't it? You know, it's kind of like getting a job. You know, when they say, okay, you know, here's a job offer, will you take it? Yes, I'll take it. That next day you show up at 8 o'clock and it's like, now it's time to get to work. <laughs> and so, I've titled this message, Walking the Christian Life in Three Easy Steps. <laughs> so, I will... <laughs> no. Um... But, you know, what, what comes from pulpits today so many times, and, and, and we've heard this many times, is that God wants you to be happy. He wants you to feel, you know, live this fulfilled life and to be wealthy and healthy and, you know, have all kinds of wonderful abundance things here on earth. Well, you know, I even Googled it. And I can't find the word happy in the Bible anywhere. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meek. All of those are in there. But when you look for the word happy, you've got to go to Webster's. And interesting, the definition of happiness, it says that feeling that occurs over you when you know life is good and you can't help but smile. It's the opposite of sadness. No kidding. Um, happiness is a sense of well-being, joy, or contentment. When people are successful or safe, or lucky, they feel happiness. Hmm. Well, like I said, I, I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where it said, become a Christian and you're going to be happy. He said, no, I will give you joy. And he even says, though, I will give you trials. Oops. Well, when you go to work, are there trials at work? Yeah, there are. I mean, that, that's just part of work. God created the heavens and the earth. He worked for six days, took one off. So God enjoys work. That, that, and, and we're created in his image, so that is part of our nature, to be working creatures. Um, so back to my three easy steps. <laughs> um, looking through the Bible now, there are many people in the Bible who we look to as, you know, pillars of the faith. Moses. Moses was a great, you know, he led the people out of Egypt. Fussing and whining the whole way. Lord, why did you give me these people? You know, and, you know, and he did. I mean, he, he did lead them out. But he whined and complained a lot. You know, David slew the giant. You know, he did wonderful things. He also committed some pretty serious sins of adultery and murder and, and things like that. I mean, we can look, you know, look, look at Jonah. You know, I don't want to go to Nineveh, God. I ain't going to do it. And God said, yeah, right. 
I'll give you a ticket there <laughs> in the belly of a fish. <laughs> Spit you out on the line. But all of those things. But if we look through the Bible, I found four men that did it right and not outside of Jesus. And we look in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. And we see four men who decided they were going to do what they knew was right in God's eyes. So, the first point is you have to be self-disciplined and a person of integrity. That's the first step. If you'll put up on the screen Daniel uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Now, if you know the story about Daniel, or if you don't, I'll give you a quick summary. Judah was taken over by King Nebuchadnezzar. He came in. He wiped them out. He took all their stuff. He took all the stuff from their temple, put it in the temple of his God. He took all the young people, and he chose from among all of the young people. He specifically said, take the good-looking, intelligent, healthy ones, because they're going to come and serve me. I want the best. And they did. Well, there were three or four people, including Daniel, who were chosen. And they were to go through this training process of, for three years, they were going to be trained to learn the languages, learn the customs, and they were going to serve the king and their court in, in some manner or respect. Um, in that grooming process, though, they were going to be fed certain things. And I'm not sure exactly what the food was, but it says, you know, the meat and the, the food and the wine from the king's table. Daniel and... Anybody know the other th three names? Not... Huh? Okay, we've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but then we're going to have to call Daniel Belshazzar because that was the names that were given to him. It's Hananiah, Azariah, and Michelle. Um, but with the food that was given to him, Daniel and, and, and the other three said, nah, I don't think so. So, chapter 1, verse 8, it said, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now, Daniel was a smart young man. He didn't stage a protest. He didn't have a sit-in. He didn't throw a hissy fit. No, I ain't doing it. Not going to do it. He went to the person that was in charge and said, Look, can, can we do something a little bit different? Right? <laughs> it's way worse than whatever you can come up with. You know, with Daniel and them, it's like, they go, if I don't do what my Father in Heaven says, it's going to be way worse than if I do it your way. Can't go, I can't go there. I have to do what the Father wants if I'm going to say I'm a child of God. Um, so a person of integrity, a person that's disciplined that says, okay, I'm going to do it. I can do that. Um, so after that... Um, 
it, pull up uh, verse 17 through, I think it's 20. Yeah. It says, as for these four youths, God gave them, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Next. Then at the end of the days, when the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. One more. As for every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, all the conjurers, and all who were in his realm. God does bless anyone who follows him with discipline and integrity. He does. Now, if you know anything about history and about Nebuchadnezzar, if you look up the word narcissist in the dictionary, you should find a picture of him. <laughs> he was not a nice person. He wasn't at all. Uh, and, and so, and, and just read through the story. The book of Daniel is just, it's, it's a great story to read. Um, but, I have to imagine that that training process that they went through, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like it was a cakewalk for them to do it. But God did bless them and allow them to succeed because they were faithful. The second thing that a Christian has to do is to always look to God for truth and wisdom. There are a whole lot of things in this world that will tell you this is truth. And 50 years from now, oh yeah, that's not right. <laughs> that, yeah, no, that's not really, that's not really true. I, I worked for the Red Cross for many years, and but part of what I did was uh, helped with training CPR and all these other things. And, you know... <clears throat> I've taught training anything from three compressions, two breasts, to five compressions, two breasts, and 15 and one, you know, and all that, you know, because every, you know, oh, oh, nope, nope, we know better now. Oh, nope, nope, we've gotten better at this now. You know, now it's, a, you don't have to give any breasts. You can just do 30 compressions. Just keep doing compression. You know, all of these things that change with what we end up figuring out. I'm always amazed in history when you, whether you look at the pyramids or anything else, it's like, how did those things get built? They didn't have Macs. They didn't have Caterpillars and, you know, big machineries and stuff, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know how they moved those big boulders. But, you know, without computers and without all those things, there were some awesome things constructed. You know, they figured out, they mapped stars in the heavens and they figured out things that, that we didn't. God gives truth and wisdom, absolute truth. If God says it, it is absolutely true. And wisdom, which is taking intelligence and understanding and bringing it to something that is usable, that's wisdom. Because you can be intelligent and not know how to use it. True? You know, so... 
So it comes up in the second year, it says the second year of their captivity, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And it wasn't like Martin Luther's dream. His dream apparently disturbed him so badly that he would not even tell anybody what the dream was. But he wanted to know what the dream meant. And so he summons all of his sorcerers, magicians, and soothsayers, and everybody else together and says, okay, I want to know what this dream means. Um, Nebuchadnezzar says, no, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. You're going to tell me. If you're so smart and if you, if you have all this knowledge... You know, couldn't you see going to a medium or something? It's like, you, know, you tell me what I'm thinking. Have you, has that ever happened to you? If someone ever, ever told you, you know what I was thinking about the other day? No, I don't. <laughs> oh, come on, guess. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> so what do you do in a case like that? Pull up Daniel 2, 4 through 6. Because the king, Nebuchadnezzar says, I want someone to tell, I want someone to tell me what the dream is, what it means, and if you can't do that, I'm going to kill y'all. And there it says, Then the Chaldean spoke to the king in Aramaic. Very flowery language. Oh, king, live forever. Oh, yeah, they're trying to smooze up to him. <laughs> Tell the dream to your servants, and we'll declare the interpretation. The king replies to the Chaldeans, The command for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you'll be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. Oops. <laughs> but if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, declare the dream and its interpretation. He throws it right back at him. So does anyone do that? No, because they're all going, nobody can tell you what you dreamed. You know, do you know what I dreamed last night? No, I don't. I can't tell you that. He said, but you, you guys are supposed to be, you're supposed to be the sorcerers, the magicians. You're supposed to know things that other people don't. They don't. Anyone that says they do is a liar. So, at this point, Nebuchadnezzar turns to his captain of the guard and says, okay, kill them all. All of them. Apparently, Daniel and crew had not been in that meeting because <laughs> Daniel hears about it and he goes, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, and he does. It says, uh, Daniel... Uh, in, in the second chapter, it talks about how Daniel goes to the captain of the guard and says, what's going on here? And he tells him, and he says, let, let me talk to the king. He goes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, can you give me just a little bit of time, and I'll come back to you. Daniel two seventeen and 18, if you'll pull that up. It says, then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What did, Daniel got his friends together and said, guys, we've got to pray. 
and we got to ask God to help us out here. As you read down through the story, God does reveal the interpretation of the story to him. He tells Daniel everything. He lays it out for him. Well, as it turns out, he goes back to King Nebuchadnezzar and, and tells him what's going to happen. We're not going to go through the interpretation of the dream, but let's do Daniel 2, 27 through 30. It says, Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men nor conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare to the king. He restates, they can't do it. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he, he has made known to the king, you, Nebuchadnezzar, what will take place in latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while you were on your bed. So he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and says, you know what? Nobody can tell you what it is. Nobody here on this earth can tell you what your dream was and the interpretation of it. But there is a God who gave you the dream and has given me the interpretation of it. Can you see how God set that up? It wasn't for... I mean, what, what, what was the purpose of Nebuchadnezzar having the dream? What was he going to do with the dream? What did Nebuchadnezzar do with the dream? Do we know? Do we know that he did anything particular outside of it being revealed to him what was going to happen to kingdoms in latter days? But God purposely gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream so that Daniel could interpret it for him. He knew Daniel well enough that Daniel said, I'm not smart enough to, to interpret this, but God is. Nebuchadnezzar, I want you to know that. I want you to know that God gave you the dream, and he gave me the interpretation, not because I'm so special and smart, but he wants you to know. God was revealing himself to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Michelle... They knew where to go to find truth, to find wisdom. Have you been in a situation where you really weren't sure what to do? I think everybody in this room must have been at one time or another. Sometimes it happens to us on a daily basis. We have to ask for wisdom. You know, Solomon, when he was asked what, what he wanted, he he, he made a wise choice. You know, I want wisdom. He did make a lot of bad mistakes after that too, but, you know, but asking for wisdom. Um, God will set up situations in your life that will allow you to reveal him to other people. The whole purpose of this is for us who are Christians to be able to share with other people who are not. Nebuchadnezzar, not. <laughs> Daniel and friends, yes, they were. And the, everything, you know, just look at your life. See every day in your life things that happen that you can use 
to reveal God to someone else, whether it be in a small way or in a big way, no matter what it is. If we will always spin it around to the one who created us, the one who paid the debt for us, as we sang in these songs, who arrested death, that's, that's where we want to be. So if we always seek wisdom from God and truth and, and trust it, then we get to that third step. This is the easy one. Always accept God's will and answers no matter how it may affect you personally. That's the step off the ledge, isn't it? It's like, you know, the first two steps, you're walking up to the edge, and then you go, crud. <laughs> you're at the door. I know you got the parachute on, but that first time that you go, that's a long ways down there, isn't it? It's a long ways. You know, whatever it may be, it's like, okay, Lord, I know you got me. Well, this is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come in, and they shine. Um, all of this was revealed to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar saw all that God did. I mean, e even, you know, with Moses, you know, e even Pharaoh saw all the, you know, the things that God did. Still didn't change their mind. Um, but Nebuchadnezzar gets his very narcissistic self up and decides to create an idol, a very large idol, you know. And everyone has to bow down to it, has to worship it. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're going to do that. Um, if you'll pull up Daniel 3, 16 and through 18. Nebuchadnezzar gets furious. He says, anyone who doesn't, I got a furnace cooking. It's a really hot furnace. And you're going to be thrown in it if you don't worship me. So it's either get with the program or fry. Well, it says in 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. I love this part. <laughs> oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't, not, we don't need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And 18, but even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I can see everyone in court going, oh, 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 oh no, <laughs> we're going to get far away from them. I can see Nebuchadnezzar's neck just getting red <laughs> and it coming up in the steam, blowing out his ears. <laughs> Because they were just defying him. But how did they do that? They did it by saying, Our God, whom we serve, will deliver us from the furnace. And even if he doesn't, we're still not going to serve you. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It, knowing the story... And, and, and if, if, if some of you are not familiar with it, please read the story of Daniel. It, I mean, it's, it's an easy read. It's a quick read, you know, 12, 13 chapters. And 
you can, you can go through it and just see how God used them. Well, he has Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tied up, wound up, and given to the guards to throw them in. The guards that threw them in died because of the heat coming out of the furnace. Now, I don't know if he was throwing them in the sideways or, you know, top sideways or whatever, but it's got to be a blazing hot furnace. You know, I, I grew up in northern Pennsylvania in the steel mills and stuff, and you see all the stuff that those guys that work in, you know, in, in the steel mills have to, have to wear. Um, but Daniel 3, 24 and 25, um, it says... <clears throat> He throws him in the furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar looks in. <laughs> and he looks in, says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, Was it not three men that we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. And he said, Look, I see four men loose and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. That one didn't look like the rest. That one had a countenance, had an appearance, had a, an appearance that Nebuchadnezzar knew, I'm not dealing with just another guy in there. So what does he do? He calls to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Come on out. And they walk out. The fourth didn't. Why is that? He wasn't needed out there. God says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you, even unto the end of the age. When he's needed the most is when he shows himself the most. Those other times... Not so much, but getting thrown into a blazing furnace, that's kind of, you know, if they'd have gone in there and they'd have walked out, I don't think it would have had the same impact as it was when they got through in there, then there was someone else there. And Nebuchadnezzar's going, I thought we did three. <laughs> Why is there now four? <laughs> what? That, that doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to our human mind. But to God, God was continually revealing himself, his power, his ability to control absolutely everything if we will be faithful, if we will be disciplined, if we will look to him for wisdom, and if, we'll, if we will submit ourselves to him. Now, three easy steps, right? It's like walking on hot coals. <laughs> it, it is, but it can be done. It can be done. It's not because of, of how, how powerful we are, how smart we are, anything of that nature. It is because of who God is, what he has done for us. Um, the, uh, there's an author, C.S. Lewis. He's... One of my favorite authors. Um, and there's a quote here from him. He says, We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink, physical pleasures, and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. 
were like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because they can't imagine what it's meant to be offered a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So many times we go after what makes us happy. I want to be happy. I want to I want to be content. I want to feel I want to feel good. When you go to a funeral, when you go and you look there and you see this person who's lived, whether it's, I, I saw a post where, you know, a young person, uh, uh, one of my relatives, you know, they're in their 20s, and I don't know if it was a car accident, but one of their friends, it's gone. Could be 20 years. It could be 80-some years. But in comparison to eternity, it's just that little blip, it's that little dash between the numbers. You've heard that many times. But the reality is we get far too caught up in what's happening to me right now and how I feel right now and I want to feel good right now instead of, well, every last person in here one day will die. I hate to break it to you, but it will happen. <laughs> you know, It doesn't have to be a scary thing. It really doesn't. It, it's inevitable. And now... <clears throat> When they were working for Nebuchadnezzar, have you ever worked for a good boss? Pretty good boss? You know, had a pretty good boss, yeah? Have you ever worked for one of those not-so-good bosses? <laughs> you know, it's like they make your life miserable. I don't think Nebuchadnezzar was the kind of guy that, you know, everybody just loved going to work for him. I, I, I doubt that. I mean, if you got something wrong, okay, I'll throw you in the furnace. <laughs> It's being, you really don't want to mess up. So, Daniel, and that they worked for probably the worst person that ever could have been to work for. But yet, they managed to keep their discipline and their integrity. They managed to always look to God for wisdom, and God gave it to them. And they learn to accept whatever. And if you keep reading through Daniel, you hear about Daniel in the lion's den and everything. It's like it keeps being repeated. God does it. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. He will always provide what we need when we need it. It's not always in our time, but it's in his. So we have to remember that. Um, all of those things, the blessings that God gives us, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, correct? Can you be a Christian in a very secular workforce? You can. Is it hard? Yes. Will you suffer persecution? Yes. All is true. But will you come out on the other side of it? Yes, you will. God's blessing is far greater than whatever any man can give you. Far greater. 
And we just have to keep that in our mind every day. Write it on your mirror above your sink or whatever else. It's like God's blessings are better than man's every day. God's good all the time. And all the time, he is. He is. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for ones like Daniel that were willing to do whatever it took to follow you, to be an example for the rest of us, so that we would know that it is possible. Lord, there are are many other examples throughout your word, whether it be in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament. And Lord, we can even look, look around today and see many who have served you faithfully, whether it be in the mission fields or in, in churches or, or in the workplace where they have faithfully proclaimed you to be the one who is the one in control. So Lord, we just ask that you would help us as ones who, who say we know you to share that with others around us. Help us to be willing to, to remind people that all wisdom comes from you, all truth comes from you, and that whatever that we are, whatever we have, came from you. So Lord, we just thank you so much for your grace and mercy to us. We thank you for the fact that your son, the, the one who sat on most high with you, is willing to come down here to earth to die for us, to pay a debt that we couldn't. We thank you so much for that. It's in his name I pray. Amen. All right. We'll do one more song, three verses. It's an old hymn. And we'll use that as our 